じた午後今ならどんな無茶も世界記録もう聞きてと逆で出せるような気がしたんだ本気でしたんだ Hello and welcome to another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. Today we'll be discussing Makoto Shinkai's film from last year, Weathering with You, which just got a North American release thanks to G Kids in theaters here in the US.、Uh, we all just saw this last week and we're going to talk about it. So, before we get into the discussion itself, let's introduce ourselves, who we are.、Uh, I am Tobias. Hello. And I'm joined here today with Tori. Hello. And Austin. If you'll forgive me, I just found a gun in the garbage can and I really don't know what to do with it. <laughs> oh, are we going back to that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I thought of a quick intro and you guys didn't. And honestly, that's your bad and I'm just all superior to both of you. Yeah, I've been,、uh, I've been dealing with a lot of rain here in Asheville.、Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like it's、uh, lasting day after day. I need a little bit of sunshine in my life. So I haven't really had much of a chance to think of any. Witty comebacks. No, that's totally fine. But I'm, I'm just glad that none of us are weathering alone. We are weathering with each other. Okay, I'm done. All right. So,、uh, as usual, before we get into the discussion itself,、uh, it's been a while since I've been on a podcast at least. I think it's been a while since we really sat down、uh, and kind of got back in the regular production schedule from last year. So,、uh, how have you guys been? How have things been、uh, working out for you? I actually have not actually talked with either of you、uh, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a good, in a good long while. So,、uh, Tori, what have you been up to lately?、Um, I always feel like it's a really loaded question, so I never know how to answer it. it. But、um, mm-hmm. hey, I start a brand new full time job next week that looks like it's、okay. going to be awesome. And、Woo! other than that, I am just piddling around as usual. Nice.、Uh, I mean, I'm glad the job seems to be working out for you. You sound very positive about that. So,、uh, mm-hmm. cool. Cool. It's always nice when those ducks actually line up. Oh, yeah.、Uh, Austin, what about yourself? Well, I'm starting my first semester of graduate school, and so far it's been all right. It's been an interesting transition, though, because all of my courses are at nighttime, and I'm really not used to that. But the great thing about that is that I get to basically sleep in. All the time,、oh. and that's pretty cool.、Um, and they're not too challenging, it just can be a little bit draining to sort of like sit in front of the computer for like three hours and listen to a lecture.、Um, I feel like I perform a lot better in a classroom setting, but、yeah. it's something I'm just getting to get used to. And it's not, it, it's, it's still a little bit alienating, but it's not nearly as alienating as I expected. But, um, In more entertaining news,、uh, I did recently finish, quote unquote, Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind, which launched late last week. And. <sighs> well, as, as Tobias and I were sort of talking about before the podcast started,、um, I used to feel like. I was able to sort of, whenever somebody would ask me what Kingdom Hearts is about or what Kingdom Hearts is, I would be able to give them a pretty decent short answer because I've had to do that so many times, even though the series is convoluted as heck. But now I feel like I don't even know anymore. I don't know what this series <laughs> even is.、Yeah. I'm so incredibly confused.、Um, 
But uh, all of that sounds fairly negative, but I will say that there are a lot of things about Kingdom Hearts Remind and the uh, other content with the DLC that I really like. A lot of additions that I really appreciate, a lot of things that make the game a lot more fun, like bringing back all the Organization 13 data battles is really great, even though they are absolutely kicking my butt at every turn. Um, They're still really fun. And the DLC overall is like barely... I would say barely worth it for the price point, but um, I mean, I'm a I'm in an abusive relationship with Nomura, as you can expect, as we kind of all are at this point. Mm-hmm. So in, the, in, so, in, um, in broad terms, like, what does the DLC add? Is it a new world or mm-hmm. or something? Or is it just more story? So the DLC really lives up to its name, Remind. So basically, a large portion of it is replaying the end of the game from a slightly different perspective with slightly more things. And it's a a lot of the things that they added, I think, really did beef up the base game. And they added a few new scenes and perspectives that I really, really liked. Um, Like, for example, you can play as multiple characters. Like, instead of just playing as Sora throughout the entirety of the end of the game, you can now play as Riku and Roxas and Aqua and even Mickey at one point. Um, And there's some extra... Yeah, there are some extra, like, really cute scenes that were added between some of the characters that we didn't get to see interact very much in the base game. And uh, they, they, I wouldn't say they necessarily succeed at this, but they do a better job at making Kyrie feel not quite as tossed aside in the end right. of the game. Because playing Kingdom Hearts 3, most people would agree that Kyrie still has not gotten her day in the sun, which really, really sucks because we've all been waiting for that character to get like her moment since the beginning of the franchise, and she never has really been given one. Not one that's like sustained and cathartic. Yeah. Um, but she kinda gets one in Remind. I wouldn't say it's a a complete one eighty into the correct direction, but it's sort of a a jump in that direction. But uh I don't know. They Does tried. that answer your question? Yeah, they tried. And then there's just a lot of more like additional fight fighting content because a lot of yeah. people, myself included, are like Kingdom Hearts 3, once you beat the game, there's not a whole lot left to do once you've beaten it. But now with the DLC, there is plenty to do, plenty of things to cut your teeth on. But it's a mixed bag. I wouldn't say I hated it or loved it, but it's it's certainly there. So you say it like recontextualizes the ending. Is there, mm-hmm. as someone who hasn't played three, really read much into the end of three, do you mm-hmm. see them leaving much space for additional sequels and stories to continue? Most, most definitely, they're setting up for additional content. Like absolutely, they're doing that. And part of part of how they are setting up for that additional content is what I find frustrating because yeah. it is extremely oblique. Um, like I was talking to a friend um, about this shortly after it came out, and we were sort of discussing Kingdom Hearts in general about how ever since really the first game, the series has always been kind of oblique, but I think it's gotten so aggressively oblique in certain sections that it's almost gone to the point of self-parody, mm-hmm. um, which is really unfortunate because all there's always been this sort of mystery and intrigue and like you don't quite know who who like this character or that character is or like what their motivation is and that's sort of permeated the whole franchise but it's been in little splashes here and there but 
as the games have gone along, probably since Dream Drop Distance, which was towards the beginning of this decade, so like for the 2010s almost entirely, the series' obliqueness has just gotten to the point of going from novel to just frustrating. So, and before we started the podcast, I I kind of made a joke about uh, Tetsuya Nomura being the J.J. Abrams of, of video <laughs> games, but I, it actually kind of makes me think that wasn't so much of a joke, since the big uh, you know spot against Abrams is setting up a mystery when mm-hmm. he doesn't really know what the mystery is. It's just the mystique of the mystery, and the hints don't actually mean anything. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes me feel like that's kind of what i'm getting at if you know that there's there's a lot of uh this you said oblique like it's opaque you know what's this 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 you know this sort of anime aesthetic this anime setup that doesn't really have much of a payoff Mm -hmm. i would i I would say in in some ways yes but um i think if we're strictly looking at nomura versus abrams i would say nomura is a lot less risk averse than abrams like nomura Mm. is certainly willing to take risks but i think just the way that he tells his stories and the way that they're delivered makes it very oblique it's not that they don't pay off they're just not structured well if that makes sense okay like like the like the the content there could exist in the same context like the material could be there but i think really somebody needs to come in behind nomura and like clean it up and make it a little bit more clear um he's a he's a great ideas guy a great conceptual writer i would say but he really needs somebody behind him to be like okay nomura let's take this idea and maybe make it a little bit more understandable for you know the average human being yeah every every attempt i've made to sort of get into or understand what's really happening behind the scenes of kingdom hearts has just led to frustration on my end <laughs> i think <laughs> I mean, that is something that, uh, it's, it's very difficult to sort of get into mm-hmm. when you know what's waiting for you at the end mm-hmm. so uh I, we, you know, we talked tori about your, your real life your your work but what have you been doing like fun i still have been reading a whole bunch of books um so i've finished so my goal this year which i kind of piggybacked off of last year was to um consume like x amount of media items throughout a month and um my goal was to do two books i finished five books in january so that's good and fun and exciting and i've um been keeping up with at least one movie um, every week and January has five weeks this yeah 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 yeah. so um, let's see I've got my list pulled up I've uh, watched nine movies <laughs> we're probably gonna do a full podcast on it at some point because we cannot we cannot not include Bill but the two of us did finally watch Goemon's Blood Spray mm-hmm. and I've been talking a lot so Tori if you want to divulge your spark notes thoughts <laughs> um, I really love Goemon. He's my favorite Lupin character. And um, I don't know why. I just I really like him. And so I was really super excited to watch this movie. Um, the Fujiko Bong meme was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It was still bad, but not like... they did, It was like a 2.5 second scene. Like, it wasn't dwelled on. Um, but that was a funny scene in general. Uh, Fujiko has short hair, which is incredible. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I really liked it. The villain was really weird and out there. Um, it's basically I... uh, anime Ron Swanson. Yeah, <laughs> with metal teeth. 
Yes. <laughs> um, and it was really kind of gory, and I wasn't expecting that at all, even, like, given the title. But, like, there's yeah. some crazy, like, wounds that Goemon gets, and then they're, like, almost hyper-realistically, like, portrayed. Oh. It's, oh, wow. like, just out there. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think I liked it better than the Jigen movie, but that's been yeah, so long since here. I've seen that I'd have to go back out and rewatch it. But um, I'm excited for the Fujiko one and to see whoever comes next after that because this little spinoff films are good i like them but, awesome yeah, yeah i still still haven't watched that myself uh having only seen uh the scene where he's cutting up a bunch of dudes in a graveyard i think yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i was like yep that's certainly bloody yeah <laughs> they do um, earn the title yes absolutely um other than that i've just been trying to get through my big stack of model kits and that's it yeah. What kit? What kit are you working on right now? Um, I'm building the little mini uh, Fate Grand Order kit that I have for Mash, and um, that one's super easy mm-hmm. and nice. And then I just bought two the other day that I should not have, but <laughs> here we are. Yep. What have you been up to, Tobias? Usually, how that works. Well, uh, likewise, I've been trying to do a better job of cataloging what I what media I engage in. Since mm. I have a, I have a bad. I mean, I I watch a lot of stuff and, and all that, but I don't tend to remember it or don't think about it. Uh, so I'm I'm using a Trello to sort of keep a, a running tab on everything that I'm currently watching and have watched mm. and that kind of stuff. Just so at the end of the year, I'll have a list of everything, so I can have a better idea of of what I did that year. Mm-hmm. So uh, anime wise, again, I'm falling behind. I've watched the first two episodes of Keep Your Hands Off Azokan. Which yeah. is amazing. Uh, I do need to catch up because I hear nothing but great things about the, the episodes I've fallen behind on. But yeah, keep your hands off Azokan is amazing, and you should watch that. And I'm sure it's, we will do a podcast episode on it at some point. Yes, it's pretty it easy breezy. <laughs> mm. It is indeed, nerd. <laughs> Other than that, uh, instead of watching anime, I've just been cruising around on Netflix and kind of clearing off my original queue. I've kind of had to dig into their backlog to see what I've I've been meaning to watch and just kind of watching random movies that way. Uh, I did watch The Witcher uh, from Mm -hmm. about a month back, and that was pretty fun. It was enjoyable. Uh, It was... uh, uh, reasonably dark fantasy, but also kind of funny in ways, and uh, just an entertaining watch. It's only like eight or so episodes, I'm sure. If not, you guys and the listeners have watched it, are already aware of it. And I'm not going to talk much more about The Witcher. It's already kind of been in and out of uh, the uh, you know pop culture discussion. Uh, did either of you watch that? Nope. No, nope. I found out that it was not related to Little Witch Academia at all, and then lost all interest. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, that was okay. Uh, I watched uh, Tuca and Birdie as well, oh. which I found very enjoyable. Uh, I enjoyed a lot of BoJack. I kind of fell off the BoJack train because I feel like it just it won't end, and it really I, I I don't like TV that just won't end. 
I mm. think they should have a solid ending and Bojack's kind of run his course, I feel like. Mm. Uh, but Tuca and Birdie was uh, a kind of a, a great take on that sort of style. Unfortunately, it's only the one season and that's all we're going to get. They really, really deserve at least a second, but it is what it is. Uh, I haven't likewise. watched an I haven't watched an ounce of BoJack Horseman, but my favorite thing that I know about it is that the company that makes it is actually owned by my favorite former Disney CEO and yours, Michael Eisner. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should watch Duke and Birdie. At okay. the very least, it's like it's a it's a it's a fun watch. Well, maybe not fun, uh, unless you call sort of the more uh, you know depressive episodes of Ava fun but uh mm. it's certainly worth worth watching in that mm. regard if nothing else um likewise I caught this weird movie from a few years back called Swiss Army Man oh, oh nice it's so good it it, it it another sort of great comparison to Ava and a sort of mind space that Ava puts you in mm. uh very very weird film it stars the guy that was the uh the very god-fearing boy from um Jeez, oh, what would that movie call? Why am I blanking on it now? Are you talking about um Paul Dano? Yeah, the Paul guy Dano. That's not, the guy that's not Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Paul Dano. What was the movie? Christ, why am I blanking on the movie? Not uh, the movie There will be too. blood. There will be blood. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. There will be blood. I don't know why I lost that. Yeah, but he was he was the uh, the God fearing boy, and there will be blood, mm-hmm. uh, which recognized him from that. And then you had uh, yeah uh, Daniel Radcliffe. No, it was, it was Daniel Radcliffe. Okay. Yeah. I was accusing him, again, him and Elijah Wood. Can you really tell if between those two? I can't. Um, yes. <laughs> one's a wizard boy, one's a hobbit boy. <laughs> there's, really, there's not really a difference between them. But anyway, yeah, so uh, uh, Paul Dano's character is sort of uh, washed ashore in this deserted island. He finds a corpse that seems to be alive but maybe not it kind of gets around by farting around literally, literally. and it sort of operates his body like a machine to sort of find his way back to civilization it's very very introspective very weird and uh it was it was certainly a fun watch nothing else it's not a weird watch uh, right in the middle of it my roommate sort of came downstairs and gave me a look <laughs> <laughs> Tori and I watched that in theaters when it came out, and it was yeah. quite a trip. Because I was just like, whoa, Daniel Radcliffe's in that movie. Let's go see it. And then I feel like it was the same equivalent of um, that time that we went to go see Gone Girl, and that was only like the fourth time we ever hung out with each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, it's very chaotic. Very. <laughs> But uh, on the uh, on the video game front, since I've kind of on my list as well, I've beat beaten Pokemon Sword. Nice. At least I've seen credits on it. There's a lot more story after the main the you know the main credit scene, the main gym challenge. So I'm kind of blazing through that, just trying to work on the Pokedex and building a team up for the DLC they've announced as well, because that looks pretty fun. And. Uh, I've kind of fallen by the wayside on this, but I am attempting to play Dark Souls again. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> the original? Yep. Well, I've... I will give you the hot take and say that Bloodborne is much better, but you probably knew that anyway, but I wish you the best of luck. <laughs> I've, I've I've attempted to start it a few times, but I just really wasn't in a good headspace that mm-hmm. wasn't really in the Soulsborne headspace. Right. But now I'm trying to, to power through and actually get myself to beat it. Mm-hmm. And making a lot more progress, if not, if nothing else, getting into that 
like I said, headspace to to enjoy the games, to play the games. It's uh, I if nothing else, I do enjoy the fact that you don't just level up your character, mm-hmm. but you level up yourself. And yes. I do enjoy that sense of personal accomplishment through mm-hmm. that, even if it is very frustrating at times. Mm-hmm. Incredibly frustrating. I feel like there is something worthwhile in that. Yeah, I was about to ask you, like, are you having fun with it? Because I know that those games are very frustrating, but at least for me, like, they're frustrating in a sense that I really like the challenge and I like sort of going through the motions and figuring out how the game works and then trying to beat it that way. And I find that very, very fun. Like, that's fun to me. It's not fun to everybody, and that's totally fine. Um, but do you feel like that's sort of how you've gotten around to the game? Like, when you mentioned Headspace? Yeah, I don't usually play games for the challenge exactly. I play it mm-hmm. just to enjoy it, and that's usually the story or you know some of the mechanics. But I'm usually I'm I'm usually the guy that will play on easy mode. I don't really mm-hmm. care mm-hmm. for that that sense of you know I'm 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 getting good yep. and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff and trying to that's be better valid. than other people. Yeah, I don't usually care about that. Yep. But the thing about Dark Souls and well, that's that's my problem before is that trying to approach this game with that mindset, it just doesn't mm-hmm. work. Because I, I mean, I don't have that much of a patience for these games because I don't play them for that sense of, you know, self worth. I guess yeah. is a, yeah. a way to put it there. Uh, but as long as you're in the headspace to understand, like the Dark Souls will not baby you. You have mm-hmm. to respect it and respect the systems that it puts in front of you. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not something again. I I slacked off on playing it even now because I'm not always in that headspace. Mm-hmm. But when I am and get myself into that attitude that I have to approach it you know very methodically with a calm head i'm finding that that is enjoyable because you do Mm -hmm. get the sense of your own self like accomplishing something that you're not leveling up your character although that is something you do in the game you're really leveling yourself up Mm -hmm. and i find that is a very interesting uh dynamic that you don't get in a lot of other role-playing games or even action games for the most part So yeah, uh, that kind of came about with me realizing that I need to play more games from last decade to sort of clear them out of my backlog now that the 20s is here. (laughs) Uh, That kind of started off by me trying to play the first Mass Effect, and uh, I didn't really like playing Mass Effect 1. It's uh, it's certainly there. It's just, uh, I mean, I, I, I think it was probably great for its time, but I've played enough Bioware RPGs that it feels just kind of like yet another Bioware RPG. Mm-hmm. And it just, I just, I didn't really find that it engaging. Maybe I just missed the boat on that. All right, and we are back here to talk about Weathering With You, this new movie by Makoto Shinkai and company. Uh, this came out in July of 2019 in Japan, but it took uh, about six months to get over to us. Uh, we just got a U.S. release thanks to G-Kids just last week as of the time of this recording. I think some theaters are still kind of showing it, but not really a wide release. 
uh, as per G-Kids and 11R's general anime release schedule. So let's kind of start off by going off, you know, who made this movie? We have naturally Makoto Shinkai as the director, uh, the creator of the original story. And uh, Shinkai definitely has a, uh, a reputation over the past decade or two. Uh, of course, Your Name, just from a few years back. I think most people know him. A wider reputation for Your Name, but previous to that, we had Voices of a Distant Star, Five Centimeters a Second, Garden of Words, Children Who Chase Lost Voices from Deep Below, uh, everyone's favorite Jilly movie. <laughs> and, yeah, I feel, uh, yeah, like, so, I feel yeah. like nowadays, you know, Makoto Shinkai is probably probably getting to the point where he has sort of general enough name recognition among the anime community for people to be like, oh, I know that guy. He's the Your Name guy. I mean, obviously yeah. not not nearly as much as like Miyazaki or whatever, but I feel like he's getting up to being a close second. I think, I think in 2020, Makoto Shinkai probably has more name recognition than like Mamoru Hosoda. I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm feeling like that's probably the case. Mm-hmm. Probably because Hosoda has not really, he's not really made a a really big hit since Wolf Children, I would argue. And I think if nothing else, we you can't underestimate the impact for your name. Oh my gosh! Uh, well, yes, well, it's only one movie compared to Hosoda's whole filmography. Just the sheer impact of your name and that name recognition mm-hmm. there. I got a lot of people talking about Shinkai, even if his other movies didn't really do that. Mm-hmm. and uh, i think we've talked about this before about Hosoda really did kind of peak with girl who left through time and wolf children summer wars and his more recent movies while not bad uh, i think we would all agree aren't really as great as those three no i feel like um you know <laughs> it's funny if you characterize his peak at uh the girl who left through time because that's like his first movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean i think i think those first three were, were it. Uh, honestly i would yeah. say summer wars is my personal favorite but wolf children was also very good and that mm. was what 2013 2014 where wolf children came out well, that's 2012 but yeah yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. and your name was you know two three years later in 2016 mm-hmm. and uh it feels like this year is still 2016 uh. <laughs> for most people <laughs> so it feels like your name just came out like last month still Whereas, pretty much in the yeah, consciousness yeah Whereas 2013-14 definitely feels like a decade ago mm-hmm. uh, at, at this point. So I think that's it definitely has uh, hurt the, the sort of comparison from Hasura to Shinkai, uh, if nothing else. But yeah, so this is uh, both directed and conceived by Shinkai, although we'll talk about some of the other people that worked on it because they are, they are important as well. Uh, another big name for Weathering With You is Radwimps who is also did the music. You know, they did the music here as well as your name. I think a lot of people would attribute your name's feel to Radwimps. Uh-huh. And I don't really know anything about Radwimps. Um, I just want to interject and say, if it wasn't for Oasis, we wouldn't have Radwimps. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause apparently um, they're the vocalist of Radwimps was in middle school and heard Oasis and was just like, I want to make a band. I can do that. Um, Wonder Wallying with you. I mean, what year did Wonderwall come out? I don't know. I don't know, man. It's <laughs> old. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, they've been around for a while. I think they just got their like, I guess, mainstream prominence after your name. But they've been around and active since like 2000. I'm pretty sure. Like they're okay. older. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, they're they're a fantastic pick, and I, I, I eh, excuse me, I absolutely adored their music in Your Name, and I think that Weathering with You is just a natural build upon that because the music in that movie is uh, probably not as iconic, maybe not as memorable in terms of specific songs, but like it's there's definitely some bangers in there. Oh yeah, I've got. I definitely want to touch upon that more, but we'll do that in the discussion questions. <laughs> the music and <laughs> mm-hmm. Radwebs very very important to the feel for both these movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the character designer for Weathering With You is Masayoshi Tanaka coming back from Your Name uh, Tanaka has a, a, a good amount of work as well so he also did character designs for uh, Joshiraku yeah. which uh, came back on Crunchyroll just I want to say a month or two back uh, that was back from 2012, 2013 originally. This comedy series uh, about that sort of uh, is, is it Rakugo? Am I, am I yes. Like, yeah, uh-huh. like Rakugo yep. comedy yeah very very funny show go please go watch that uh he's also worked as assistant animation director and chief animation director for a lot of works uh including toradora uh, a lot of the okada written works like anthem of the heart uh makia as well as the more recent okada movie her blue sky which came out just in october in japan uh, i really really done- hope that at some point we get anthem of the heart released wider over here because i think it got an extremely limited uh like physical edition released here way back when it came out but mm-hmm. you know just absorbing mario kata's stuff over the years that's like the big one that i'm like the big gap that i'm missing that's supposed to be one of her best one of her best pieces and i really really yeah. want to see that movie and that was the one uh produced by um kill annie right Anthem of the Heart? No, I don't think so. A1. Okay. okay. Completely mm-hmm. misremembering there. And yeah. I know we Anohana did a, was a, Anohana was A1 as well. And that's actually, yeah, another one that uh, Tanaka worked on the animation, as uh, animation director for. So he's uh, mm-hmm. sort of worked very closely to the uh, Okada adaptations. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also got a lot of key animation work. But moving on, we've got Atsushi Tamura. This, the uh, chief animation director for this movie in particular uh, has a lot of work working with uh, the Ghibli movies, including Howl's Moving Castle, Spirited Away, Ponyo, as well as Mary and the Witch's Far, which is kind of not really a Ghibli movie, I guess. <laughs> Spiritually. The sequel to Ghibli. Yeah, you know. Spiritually. <laughs> might as well absolutely, be. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, then we've got the uh, art director for Weathering With You, Hiroshi, Tarigi, uh, Hiroshi Takiguchi. Uh, previously worked uh, background artist for a lot of series, including uh, Full Metal Alchemist, Conquer of Shambhala, Sword of the Stranger, as well as several Polygon Pictures works. Well, we're not Asian... all perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, including Asian, Demi-Human, and Blame. And uh, he has worked as background artist and art director on all of the Shinkai movies since Children Who Chased... <laughs> I can't even say it. It's so Don't hurt yourself. Name is. Children <laughs> who chase lost voices from deep below. Also and known I've... as Journey to Agartha in, if you're in the UK. I'm sorry, Journey I just had to, to insert that in there to just drive home the fact that it has an absurdly long title. <laughs> Journey to Agartha is somehow a shorter title than the original English. <laughs> And, of course, the movie is produced by Comics Wave Films, who is uh, mostly well-known for producing all of Shinkai's movies since uh, Voices of a Distant Star, 
they've also helped produce a couple smaller things, such as Inferno Cop. Classic. So you'll often, yep. You'll often see them with all of the Shinkai films. You, know, you go back and watch your name and um, Weathering With You and whatever Shinkai does next. I'm sure you will see Comics Wave films show up in the credits. Uh, moving right along here into the voice cast, we'll go by uh, character and then do their Japanese and English um, ac- actor, actress. So with the main character, Hodaka, the Japanese voice actor is Kotaro Daigo, who has only done Weathering With You so far. Wow. In English, he is voiced by Brandon Ingman, who only had one other role in Lou Over the Wall from, uh, what, two years ago when that came out? Mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. it's been two yeah, years since Lou Over the Wall came out. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie, uh, though. Go buy it. It's awesome. <laughs> oh, for sure. Absolutely. Then we have uh, the sunny girl herself, Hina. And the Japanese is voiced by Nanamori. Also, only uh, the only credit was Weathering With You. But in English, is voiced by Ashley Bocher, who played voices in Legend of Korra and Olette in Kingdom Hearts 3. Very good. Then we've got some of the, the secondary characters. Honestly, some of the best characters in the movie. Uh, so we've got the old man that adopts uh, our main character, Hodaka, uh, Keisuke Suga. In the Japanese, voiced by Shu Noguri. is mostly known for his live action work, including the television version of Densho Toko. The 2014 Lupin the Third live action movie as Lupin himself. Wow. Also as Harlock in the 2013 CG movie. Also was in one of the One Piece movies, Heart of Gold. I'm sure Bill is jumping in his chair hearing that. <laughs> and uh, lastly, well known for the live action Space Brothers movie. Hmm. And here's where I think things get interesting because a lot of the English actors from here on out are more popular actors and actresses, not just voice work. So Case K is voiced in English by Lee Pace who was Thranduil Elven King in the more recent Hobbit movies. You know, whenever I was thinking about that, because I saw this in Japanese, um, for some reason I thought I dreamed that, that Lee Pace was going to be in this movie, because it sounded so silly to me. I'm just like, he's not even playing a main character. I mean, he's like a prominent side character, yeah. and he's a character that's in the movie a lot, but it just seems like a weird, weird thing. Maybe Lee Pace is like a huge secret anime fan, which would not surprise me because, you know anime fans are everywhere yeah, and that's possible. great <laughs> well he also was ronan the accuser and the guardians of the galaxies and captain marvel all of the marvel cinematic universe never heard of it <laughs> yep no clue we're going to talk about the shinkai cinematic universe here later <laughs> but uh case k's uh daughter niece relative uh, niece na- niece natsumi niece, niece, niece. Na- natsumi suga in Japanese, voiced by Tsubasa Honda, who didn't have a whole lot to her name, but uh, she was in the live-action Fullmetalcus movie as Winry. And in English, she is voiced by Allison Brie, who was in Community, Mad Men. Uh, she voiced a character in Bojack Horseman, one of the main characters in Bojack Horseman. And, of wow. course, of you know, various live-action works. And then the uh, two detectives from Weathering With You. The first one, firstly, the older detective, uh, Yasui. And Japanese voiced by Sei Hiraizumi, who's in the Gokusen live action TV show, as well as Suke- Sukeban Deka. In English, is voiced by Mike Pollock, 
who is Dr. Robotnik slash Eggman from the Sonic series, was in uh, Giant Robo, Gal Gygar, Liz and the Bluebird, and most recently, Promare, and the young, younger detective Takai, and the Japanese voiced by Yuki Kaiji, that's been in everything, uh, <laughs> including Attack on Titan as Aaron Yeager, is in Dorarara, uh, Jojo Diamond is Unbreakable, and Todoroki in My Hero Academia. Uh, English is voiced by Riz Ahmed, who uh, I think Tori probably knows more about this guy than I do. <laughs> I, I only know him through cultural osmosis because they talk about him a lot on a podcast I listen to, and that's all I have to say about the matter. <laughs> I, I I honestly am not as cultured as Tori, so I only knew this guy as uh, <laughs> he was in Rogue One as the pilot, Bodhi Rook. Oh, yeah, that space movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> And uh, apparently he was in Venom too, but I didn't see Venom, so I can't tell you. Man, you ought to see Venom. It's it's a wild ride. I'll probably check it out. I just didn't really mm-hmm. feel like spending money at the time. That uh, makes sense. I wouldn't either. All right, so that's I think that's we've got a, several other side characters, but that's kind of the majority, uh, the ones that kind of stood out to me. Now let's go into what this movie is about. What is this movie mm-hmm. about, Austin? So before I go into the plot synopsis, I want to point this out really quick because I saw this on Twitter and I thought it was fascinating and it would be fascinating fascinating enough to bring up on the podcast as well. So um, somebody put together a graphic looking at the um, the um, American box office comparisons between Your Name and Weathering With You just to see how much things have changed between 2017 and 2020 in terms of um, just broad release of anime in american movie theaters and how much more money it's making these days and i think that really because your name came out in theaters at a time before sony bought funimation so really before all of this you know huge and huge is really an understatement huge amounts of money were really behind the anime machine here in the u.s um and really before g kids got you know kicks not well, not literally kickstarted, but kickstarted into high gear um, in getting their movies in theaters like pretty aggressively. Like this was before Ghibli Fest. This was before, obviously, before Promare and before like The Night of Short Walk on Girl and things like that. So just a quick comparison here. Um, Your Name was in theaters in the United States for four months and across... Uh, those four months, it made uh, just over $5 million in domestic, domestic box office sales in the U.S. Uh, Weathering With You released domestically on January 15th, which at the time of this recording was only 12 days ago. And so far, it has already you know, skyrocketed past your name by almost $1.5 million. So... In only a few weeks, or excuse me, in like less than two weeks, your name has blown, or excuse me, Weathering With You has blown your name out of the water in terms of box office. And it's probably due to the fact that your name was only released in just over 300 theaters nationwide. But I want to say, and I don't have the statistic right here on this site that I'm looking at, but I remember seeing it somewhere else that uh, Weathering With You was in over a thousand theaters in the u.s um 
like more likely than not wherever it is that you live dear listener there was probably if it wasn't in your town there was probably a town nearby you that had weathering with you playing in the theater whereas for your name it was probably just like big or medium-sized cities um but i think that's just a wonderful testament to seeing how much anime in the anime in theaters in the united states has grown in such a relatively short period of time yeah, and I think a lot of that could be contributed directly to your name, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel yeah, like most people no think doubt. of the you know the Dragon Ball movies as sort of being the the genesis to the anime movies in theaters, you know, this decade. Uh, and while they certainly can't be discounted, I feel like your name really showed that they're they're viable, and people are more than mm-hmm. happy to sh- shell out money for these movies that aren't tied to established properties like Dragon Ball. And uh, I, I feel like it, it took that test bed of your name and the, the what you said like five million dollars that that brought in over the period of a, a, a period of time. I mm-hmm. think just that name, getting people to recognize Makoto Shinkai and even just that guy that did your name, uh, was enough mm-hmm. to bring uh, get, uh, to get theater owners to uh, you know, have this movie in their in their theater. So before we even talk about the quality of the film itself or anything about the movie, I think it's just that, the sh- like like you said, there's the sheer uh, power for the for this name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For sure. All right. So in terms of what the actual movie is about, so we discussed our main character, Hodaka. He is a uh, high schooler, and he basically runs away from home to live in Tokyo because he's really sick of his, like, small town island life and he goes there and he's like trying to find a job and he's kind of struggling and um you know he's um he's having a really bad day and he like falls asleep at mcdonald's and meets a girl that works there our main character uh hina and uh she shows him a nice gesture of kindness gets him a burger which looked absolutely delicious it made me want a burger right in the middle of the theater yes. and in many theaters you can actually get a burger in the middle of your movie these days um but I did not. I refrained. But um, so basically they meet together and he figures out um, through one way or another that she has the power to basically um, pray and the weather will clear up wherever she is around her. And at this particular time, Tokyo has basically been under like constant rainstorms, like all the time. It rains every single day. So people are really desperate to um, to get some sunshine in their life. I think there's probably a metaphor in there. Um, but yeah, he meets Hina, uh, forms a really close bond with her. Um, but before that, he meets one of our other main characters, a um, kind of sleazy but not all bad sort of guy named what was his name uh yasui suga Suga? yeah suga and his niece of course um and they they live together and they basically you know hold but you don't know it's his niece at first that's true they set it up to where um you think that they're like romantic partners but it's it's a twist later on she's like no you you thought we were in a relationship? No, she's just my niece. And uh, it was kind of a, a weird curveball thrown there. But anyway, um, Hodaka and our main character, Hina, sort of, uh, you know, grow in this relationship through them, like, um, using her powers to, like, make money. And that sounds, like, kind of weird, but that's really what they do. But they do really uh, form a close relationship, and it's pretty sweet. You've also got uh, Hina's little brother, as well who was involved in all of this and then some weird weather nonsense goes on and i 
don't know how much more I want to spoil other than that that we're going to talk about, I guess. But um, yeah, the movie just kind of goes forward from there. And in terms of, I guess, general themes, it's um, to me, this movie's themes are not quite as clear as uh, as your name's themes are. Yeah. Um, so divorced from the Shinkai name, divorced from, you know, your name looming over weathering with you what did you think about the movie in and of itself i was really bored (laughs) the (laughs) entire time and um i don't know if that's because i went in with too high expectations like i was trying really hard to like think about that when i was on my way home from the movie and like even going into it um but i am the type of person that unless there is nobody else in the theater, I never look at my phone. I'm really good about that. I'm very proud of that. But um, I was sitting in the way back and I think I had four other people with me um, in the theater, like closer to the front. Um, But I was on my phone several times during this movie, just going, I'm bored. I don't know. I'm bored. (laughs) Um, It had its good moments. I think this is like a prime example for me of a work that I would say, like, had really good moments, but I don't think the whole thing is great. But there were times where things would happen and I was like, oh, that's really sweet, or oh, that's cool, or that's a neat idea. And then other things would happen and I would just be like, why? Why is that important? Or that line delivery was really bad. Or, you know, I no longer feel bad for either of you because you're both very selfish. Yeah, um, I I don't disagree with you. <laughs> yeah. Regard at um, all. <laughs> so I I saw the dub um because oh. that was like um just what worked best with my schedule cuz I was just like oh. I had lunch, I was tired, I was ready to go home. I just wanted to get to the like first showing I could. And um the voice actor who voices the main boy, um Hokoda Hodoka something like that. He has a very interesting like name um his performances sometimes just like he would he would say certain things to the main girl and they'd be like oh like you can really like hear the emotion in his voice like you know i buy that he's interested in her i don't buy that he fell in love with her but i buy that he is interested in her and has feelings towards this girl but then he'd say other things like the way he would just deliver those lines and i'm like you just sound like you don't care like, I don't really know how to put it into words other than that. Or the emotion would come through so frantically that it just sounded like he was losing his mind rather than, like, being distressed. Yeah. I I did also kind of find the romance angle to be a little unbelievable. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I, it, like, I, like Austin was saying earlier, it is a very sweet film. And I guess in mm-hmm. that sweetness, yeah, I could see them getting together, you know, in this very sort of sweet uh childish romance but mm-hmm. i i don't know i just did i i, I agree it, with you and i didn't really i didn't buy this as a romantic movie yes yes saying. like if they would have just completely nixed that like i'm in love with you and like let's be together after we get through all of this like if you would have just like thrown me the bone of like i think i like her and i want to be with her after we get through all of this i would have found that much more palatable 
Um, but I feel like, too, that these characters, they just weren't given enough time to be personable. Like, I really didn't care about them. But then, you know, like, I think back to your name, and I'm just like, you know, I... I was rooting for those two the entire time. I wanted them to be together because I knew that they would be happy and it would make me happy if they were together. Um, But then I just remember like, you know what? Uh, Taki and Mitsuha didn't survive a comet and time traveling to be killed by, you know, flooding from two selfish middle schoolers or high schoolers (laughs) or whatever they are. (laughs) They don't deserve Um, this. (laughs) No. And I just... And, and it's kind of his fault that all this happened to her anyway, because he was the one who, like, was, like, pushing her to do it. I mean, not that she, like, disagreed with it, but he was also, like, pushing her to do it. Like, you know, use your powers, make everybody happy. Like, it's your responsibility to, like, make everybody happy and blah, 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 whatever. And I'm just like, you've ruined this young lady's life. Good job. <laughs> Kind of touching on one of the themes of the movie is they sort of this modern take on these Shinto beliefs, this idea mm-hmm. of the sunny girl and this, she's basically a sacrifice given up for mm-hmm. you know, the, the village, as it were, the village of Tokyo, that small little yeah. hamlet of Tokyo, uh, <laughs> you giving herself up to appease the weather gods. And they touch upon that a couple of times. And I thought that mm-hmm. that was, that could have been more interesting, but it turned into more, yes. more of a romance angle. Like if mm-hmm. he was saving yes. her for the sake of trying to, uh, you know, keep her alive and saying how inhumane it was that we're giving her up. But that whole final scene of them falling through the sky, and it kind of felt like they were pushing it. I, yeah, I think that on top of the movie felt like it was one act too long. Yes. And to piggyback off that, like her wanting to like sacrifice herself, like it just didn't come across genuine to me I guess because maybe it was because I wasn't paying 100% attention but like when did they tell her that was going to be like I mean I guess she figured it out through her body like because her body was disappearing but like all she did was look at him and go would you like it to stop raining and then just immediately like somersaulted into sacrificing herself and I'm just like why do you do this I don't care like (laughs) I think, that makes was, sense. I think it was that sort of realization in the moment that like she has no other choice because if she chooses not to sacrifice herself, it's going to keep raining forever. And then yes, not only she doesn't not only, have to do that. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, obviously she doesn't, but it's more in that moment. It's like, which is the more responsible thing to do for, you know, just beyond herself, you know? I think that's what they were trying to get at because they were yeah. trying to align themselves with that, with that, um, you know, piece of folklore one for the mini yeah i know yeah but and I don't, it just didn't make me feel like i guess they didn't build up enough visually for me emotionally to feel that that was the justifiable thing to do I would push back a little bit more on you know her lack of license I guess because she does make all these decisions and like Hodaka is a little bit you know 
forceful in this, but it seems like um, he's doing it not necessarily totally selfishly because he knows yeah, that she also not, benefits from like the work that they do it's but what not he, sinister no but what obviously what he doesn't understand is the grander consequences beyond yes. you know her powers he does not understand what it's doing to her and i think until it's too late until it's too late exactly mm-hmm. i don't i don't even think she really realized it yeah. until it's too late you know there yeah. was probably a turning point you know off screen before you know, the torrential downpour where Tokyo is basically like having every possible natural disaster at once. Somewhere between, you know, them doing the happy-go-lucky, you know, sunshine girl business thing and that scene that she has an internal realization of like, oh no, I'm like, obviously my use of my powers comes with a consequence. And I think maybe had the film given us a sense that she was aware of the fact that she was fading away before she had the scene with Hodaka. Yes. Like there, there were, there were, I, I think I recall a scene where we see like her, one of her, like, like her hand or yeah. something like being transparent. It's, it's the first but there's time never... he's going to confess to her and she kind of runs yes. away before. Right. But you, I, I would have liked to have seen something more so from her perspective before the moment that, Mm-hmm. that uh that she tells Hodaka and I think that's another issue with like her character in general specifically about uh about Hina is that we don't ever really see much from her specific perspective there are some yeah. other characters that we do see perspectives from I think I mean it's largely Hodaka because he is the main right. character like but... we sorry but just to like come off of that like for sure. instance the niece the niece gets mm-hmm. so much characterization and like yeah she's funny mm-hmm. and relatable because she's just her own person and is trying to like find a job throughout mm-hmm. half the movie and she has her scooter and is just being rad but like <laughs> why didn't they give that to the actual like main character yeah probably something to do with what <laughs> tobias said where it was like an act too long and yeah. like they didn't necessarily have enough time to really develop these two characters but what i will yeah. say on the flip side of that when you mentioned the, the niece i will say that you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of our criticism, and not just us, but like everybody in general, and this is kind of unavoidable and we shouldn't necessarily feel bad about this, is that yeah. there's almost no way to evaluate this film outside of the shadow of your name, because mm-hmm. that's just the context in which it exists, and like its narrative beats and some of its characters are like so similar, and it's also yeah. obviously part of that shinkai cinematic universe where he kind of tells the same story over and over and i'm not really saying that is a dismissive thing it's just a fact of the matter but where was i going with this oh yeah um (laughs) you just blew Uh, (laughs) over you you literally did all of the stuff in the notes in one sentence so good job i'm sorry i'm I'm on a roll here i apologize but what i was gonna say is that one thing that i really do appreciate about weathering with you versus your name is that i think a lot of the side characters get a lot more characterization that they do in other in other shinkai works and i i like that for that because it gives it makes the world feel a little bit bigger so do you guys want to talk about that at all i I was gonna say sort of what tori was saying earlier there's a lot of 
boring parts. Uh, mm-hmm. When I think about Hodaka and Hina and why I'm not entirely sold on them mm-hmm. is because the supporting cast was so much better than the main cast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. I loved. It's so true. I loved Keisuke. I loved Natsumi. I loved their relationship and their sort of back and forth. Uh, mm-hmm. She is like the embodiment of the millennial lifestyle. Just yes. trying to get a job. <laughs> like she was so relatable. He was very relatable. I thought he was a great character. Uh, Hina's younger brother, uh, Nagisa, the little... Uh, <laughs> the little oh, womanizer he's such a little was, bastard <laughs> he was hilarious he was absolutely hilarious senpai uh, even, yeah yes yeah, <laughs> senpai, <laughs> senpai. <laughs> uh, even even uh, Taki's grandmother shows up here uh, she was a really great character as well can and, I interject one moment yeah. and say that we did a huge disservice by not mentioning her voice actress because that is the OG Rita Repulsa really <laughs> Oh what? yes, it is. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I knew I recognized her, and then I forgot to look it up, and then I looked it up again. That's Rita Repulsa. In English or Japanese? In English. Oh my gosh, that's not that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Make my movie grow. <laughs> um, Rest I, in peace, Robert like Axelrod. To sidebar again, and just say if they had cut out the weird like are they lovers or are they related little thing? Like it's funny from the point of like the main character, because that is something that a stupid kid with no context of the world would probably, you know, jump to the conclusion of, but I could have forewent that to have had, you know, personalization to another character, Mm -hmm. but those two hilarious. I do love them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I thought the intro scene where she's kind of laying there with like her shirt open and it's this embarrassing sort of thing where he looks, but he's like, doesn't want to admit he looked or anything like that. That was Uh a little fan service-y, a little much. My my first thought, (laughs) I literally am like live, like messaging Austin as I'm watching this. And I'm just like, damn, I wish a woman could take a nap without being an object. Because I know I don't look like that when I'm sleeping. (laughs) I do. But anyway, uh, go yeah, on. no, I, I, I'd like, I, I did like sort of the, the playful back and forth they have that where it wasn't really yeah. explained. Uh, I think the, the introduction, little fan service event was much. And uh, when the fan, I did like, I, I want a movie. No, I want a TV show that is just the supporting cast. Yeah. Oh, God, cut out, yeah. cut out all the weathering, the weather, sunny girl stuff, cut all that crap out. Just give me a story about these characters writing about uh, like tabloid crap. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to go do degenerate activities on her scooter. That and that um the whole um fact that he's working like basically for a cryptids tabloid was like that yes. that was yeah. um or oh like a God. what was it? Um not not necessarily cryptids but like urban legends. It was basically like, like the Daily Inquirer, yeah. you know, yeah, where they'd write about right. Batboy and junk all the time. It basically mm-hmm. was stuff like that. Right. Yeah, and I, I thought that was a hilarious angle because I've I never really see that show up in in anything as a plot device. Yes. Uh, so that was really creative. But yeah, I mean there's so much like there's such a big world surrounding these characters and it's it feels very alive. It feels very complicated because yeah. like the um the Suga and like the niece and his daughter and like this whole like broken family going yeah. on around them is like that's that's those are like real mm. experiences that real people have you know having very awkward mm. very strange very non-traditional family dynamics and I think whenever yeah. um whenever fiction you know acknowledges the reality of of alternative family units it's mm-hmm. uh, it's always a good thing yeah. yeah um I will say that one little thing like 
to go back to what's his name um when you were thinking that those two were in a relationship and um you don't know that that's uh that it cuts to that scene where he's talking to the older lady and you don't realize that that's his mother mm-hmm. and um they're talking about him going to see his daughter um and it focuses on him kind of like fiddling with his wedding ring and she's like i don't agree with your lifestyle and i'm just like so is he cheating on his wife and like this really is his mistress but then you find out what you do and i'm like oh that's like a really good little nuanced like bit of writing right there yeah Mm -hmm. i i think he's my my favorite character just because of how uh, he's not he's, he's not a great like he's he's got problems and he's definitely suffering the consequences of the problems but yeah. as we find later you know he's gone through a lot of a lot of stuff uh, it's not entirely mm-hmm. his fault and he's just weathering with it as best he can ah. and he tries to be good yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I, I like this character a lot i really liked yeah. his basement apartment yes <laughs> something about something about these japanese cramped you know crammed architecture I like gets like it gets me like i, lo- I love it I would never, mm-hmm. being like a six foot plus tall behemoth, I would never be able to work in Japan or like live in Japan. But I love those little cramped small apartments. They're just so mm-hmm. cozy. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it in, oh, what's her name? Why can't I remember? So this is how memorable everybody was for me in this movie. I'm just like, what's their Hina? name again? Natsumi. Um, Hina, yeah. When you see her apartment yeah. and that's like just the epitome of like Tokyo Japanese apartments because like everything is stored up like mm-hmm. there's shelvings where everything just goes up 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 and um that's always cool to see mm-hmm. yeah of course we get a wonderful cooking montage because no <laughs> shinkai work is complete without one and mm-hmm. uh i thought the 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 scene where he goes over to her house and they uh cook with each other was very sweet mm-hmm. uh, yeah. just a fun little you know i did enjoy that sweet you know, if, sweet if miyazaki can make food look great and so can shinkai kind of touched upon you know the 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 sacrificial shinto sort of uh take here we briefly touched on the climate change but i feel like we've got to mention climate change as presented in the film Mm -hmm. i Mm -hmm. i thought it was there i feel like the final scene really just shut the message down (laughs) yeah you think so it was it was i mean it felt like to me like they were saying you know that sure she's got to make the sacrifice she's got to take the personal responsibility and you know sort of shut down her own happiness to make things better for uh you know society as a whole Mm -hmm. but then she offers him the or rather he takes the choice in his own hands to say no i want to be happy i don't care about anybody else i just want to be happy which i don't think is really the best I don't I don't really feel like that's the best message considering the real life circumstances we're presented with today. It reminded me uh, it reminded me of the end of Life is Strange, Tori. Shut up. Shut up. (laughs) That is the only time I will be selfish. Don't don't come at me for that. 
Um, no, like it. It's a fine line because, of course, you have to be happy yeah. in your life too. Because, like, you know, not to be dramatic, but like, what's the point of living if you can't be happy to some degree? But you have to realize that there are more people in the world out there than you. And if you can, in a healthy way, give little bits and pieces of your happiness to other people to make sure that they're good and okay, too, that's ultimately what you should do. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think that's something that I was thinking about from our earlier discussion. We talk about this plot that between these these two uh, she's, she's children, they are their children. They are having to learn responsibility in ways that no other character has with mm-hmm. both keeping her alive and doing right by the rest of civilization. And they are you know, they are kids learning this uh, personal responsibility as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Phenoma- and, um... Phenomenal cosmic powers itty bitty world knowledge (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i was gonna say too like you know as much as i wanted to at surface level be like they're selfish they're selfish because they are but i think it's a good like vehicle for just showing how like volatile and wild like young love can be especially emotional young love Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um because i'm sorry i don't i don't think these two are actually in love but um, what do I know? But I like. I, I think that does tie into the other side characters and their sense of responsibility. So to go back to mm-hmm. to KSK, the the older guy, like he's got responsibility for his daughter that he's trying to get back, mm-hmm. even trying to take the adult decision of of cutting Hodaka out and telling him, "Well, mm-hmm. sorry, but you've got to go home because I can't jeopardize my family anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. I've got to start being an adult." We have Nasumi, Nasumi uh, who's sort of realized that, okay, well, I need to go out, look for jobs. I have to get an actual career now. I can't keep coasting by. Uh, you know, I, I've got to grow up a bit. And, yeah. you know, these, these, these children seeing that and realizing that, you know, yes, we have to be responsible for you know, our, our circumstances, but not letting go of what makes life worth living. Mm-hmm which uh, in this case is themselves and their relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I do like the scene, the part when they, they get out on their own and they're in the hotel and just having fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you, you do remember that they are children and they're just, despite the fact that they are homeless, that they are able they're to- They're making the best yeah, of they, it. They're able to splurge a bit with the money that, that he's been given mm-hmm. and they do enjoy it, but they, they are able to cast aside that despair, that anxiety, because I mean, if that were us, if we were homeless and we have, you know, a couple hundred bucks to our name, you'd be freaking out. Yeah, <laughs> I'd exactly. be freaking out. It, it I was, I was kind of, of, I was counting the money, like as they were spending it, like, Oh God, Oh God, <laughs> Oh God, Oh God, you're yeah. getting a, a room at the Ritz and you're jumping around and you get, you never get the water out of the refrigerator. It's like $5 <laughs> bottle of water. What are you kids doing? Oh, no, God, that's that what I thought yeah. too, man. Um, man. Fun, fun fact. The two karaoke songs they were singing. One was an AKB 48 song and <laughs> the other one is a, um, Song from Gen Hoshino, who is the singer who voiced uh, Senpai in The Night is Short. Nice. Okay. Of course, <laughs> of course, the wonderful Pretty Cure cameo. Listen, I'm going to get to that. I don't want to talk about that okay. right now. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin um, in that. But um, uh, go ahead, Tori. The whole subplot of just like, it's going to be fine. Let's run away together and we'll make it work. And I'm just thinking, oh, to be young and in love and to run away. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. like... 
one of my dumb favorite romance plot points because it's just like, you know, in no way you're like 15 years old. That's not going to work. That's not usually going to work for adults who are well established and have money. It is like a nice little, you know, romantic thought to have. But um, I don't know. I just thought that was funny. And I kept it's the dream of youth. I know, and um, I I want to talk just a minute more about that hotel scene. So I knew that they were going to run the boob joke into the ground, but I will give it a pass because I really love the scene where she goes to show him, like, how she's disappearing, and she's like, what are you looking at? And he's like, I'm not looking at nothing, but I'm looking at you, I'm looking at you, like... It's all about you. And I'm just like, that's sweet. And I hate it. Go away. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I so felt like I, it was a good subversion of that. Like, they're not just yeah. doing it for the, the cheap fan service kind of deal. But it yes. actually is, it's, it, like you said, it's it's pure young love. And that's, that's, that's not yeah. terrible. It was a positive um, fake out. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was. And I was, like, really pleasantly surprised about that. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. That scene... I'm not, like, going to pick that as, like, my favorite, just that, that whole montage of them spending the night there, but just mm-hmm. the, like, raw emotion. And I would like to go back and watch um, that in Japanese. Like, I want to see this movie again in Japanese because this is my exact issue that I had with Garden of Words, where it's, like, the big emotional climax. I just feel like the English voice talent was not... Mm-hmm at the right amount of talent to be able to pull off that big dump of emotion. And I'm not saying like the Japanese is going to be perfect either, but I would like to just hear it in a different light because I don't know. I just wasn't happy with the way that voice actor delivered something. That is the moment where I should have cried because your name (laughs) got me like a little bitch at that moment where he goes to disappear. One of them goes to disappear and the other one writes, I love you on their hand. And they're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, that's not your name. How's that going to help me? And I'm like, Oh, that was was, (laughs) your name had a good climax. That was a good scene. Yeah. Yes, I loved that scene so much. And while I know that this movie's tonally different, and like I said, I feel so bad being like, well, your name, your name, your name. I was just waiting. Like, you know, all of his movies have that big romantic, like emotional climax. And I just feel like it was weak. I don't Mm -hmm. know. But that whole hotel scene in general, I think, was one of the stronger points for me of the movie. Yeah, I think when it comes to... um you know, us as English speakers, you know, hearing English dubs, I think we, and sort of, you know, very understandably so, I think we can be a lot more hypercritical of hearing things in English because, like, Mm -hmm. the the nuances and the the pickiness sort of stands out a lot more to us. Yes. So so if things, if things, like, don't hit for you, it's like, they really don't hit, you know? Right, it's kind of like when we went to go see the Frozen musical and the actor playing Hans was like, oh, Anna, if only somebody loved you. And I'm like, no, that's supposed to be like a stab in the heart. Like, that's the twist of Frozen. (laughs) Right, exactly. And I I mean, I didn't really have that problem because I did see it in Japanese. So the emotional Mm -hmm. moments, you know, maybe hit fractionally harder but still just generally speaking you know as a whole like I just didn't necessarily resonate with these two kids as much as I felt like I should have Um, yeah they were just very unrelatable to me and I mean I've been a 15 year old before I know what it's like but 
they just weren't mm-hmm. yeah. relatable. But to pivot back, I want to talk about the climate change angle a little bit more. Oh, because, yeah. We um, got really far off from that, didn't we? Yeah, we did. It's totally <laughs> fine, though. Um, so I I don't know if I really like necessarily ty- this movie's thematic structure being tied to the very, very real thing of climate change when they don't really they they kind of just use it as a plot framework of like oh the there are you know catastrophic weather events going on but as we are all you know keenly aware you know climate change is a very complicated issue it's a very socio-political issue as well it's an economic issue like there are so many different angles to climate change beyond just the fact that the climate is changing and i feel like i feel like shinkai did not go far enough in his metaphor especially considering like the plot framework of why the weather is acting so weird and the frankly the lack of a solution to that problem in the end you know because um... it basically it's very it's a it's an apocalyptic scenario the way that the film ends like it's it's not for our main characters because they get reunited but like tokyo itself is underwater you know right two two things so one global warming and climate change global climate change is a global issue it's not one of those things where like you know if somebody in another country is trying to like write about our specific nuanced American government and like how we're awful, but like climate change is something that affects like everybody. So that should be something that a storyteller, no matter where they're from, should be able to have a grip on to command into a story. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It felt just Um, like a shallow, some shallow understanding and shallow manipulate, shallow implementation of these very, very serious themes. Yeah, exactly. And it was kind of like um, just a plot piece, essentially, like not and not in a way that was made into something like there was no commentary, like it was just there for Mm -hmm. looks almost. Yeah, I feel like all of Shanghai's movies have some sort of science fiction element uh, central to the plot. Uh, even mm-hmm. your name sort of I remember watching your name and the whole first half is this you know rom-com very fun freaky friday scenario and then <laughs> that happens in the middle of the movie and suddenly you yeah. realize oh yes this is a shinkai movie how did i forget <laughs> the the point with this movie is that that moment occurs in the last 5 minutes of the movie when yeah. tokyo floods it's like oh that's kind of the, the weird sci-fi thing but by that point the movie was kind of over and it didn't really have consequences the same way that they did in your name and it did in voices mm-hmm. of distant star yeah, and um, I know like 10 minutes into the movie, well, it was longer than that because it was when they started the business. I messaged Austin and I was like, I'm calling it now. This girl is going to die because they abuse her powers <laughs> and they don't know how to fix it. Um, because when we saw your name, I jokingly leaned over and, you know, I went into this movie blind, nothing. We both had knew nothing about it other than like the bare minimum of what it was about. And I was like, I bet she's dead, isn't she? And then when that actually happened, <laughs> I was like, oh, no. And, like, I'm not saying a story is bad because it is guessable. I would argue that that is 
sometimes a sign of good writing because you can see where the story is going. That's not always yeah. a bad thing. Yeah. Note to self, um, don't ever watch movies with Tori. Yep. <laughs> no, I just like to assume everybody's <laughs> going to die because I'm just morbid. So going back to what you said, Tobias, about like the difference between the, the you know, big, grand, catastrophic moment of your name versus weathering with you. And to sort of tie that back into my critique of this film using climate change is sort of just like, a plot device or window dressing i guess yeah. um is that like the the big catastrophic moment of your name is like very very centralized very localized and like obviously can be rooted in some sort of reality maybe it's based on something that happened before but you know it's it's still very centralized it's very tragic in of what it is but it's very it's very divorceable from sort of real world context of yeah. right now mm-hmm. whereas yeah. when you're talking about things to do with climate change you can't do that because it is so deeply woven into our modern context um, yeah like a comet impacting is more of a freak event it does happen exactly. but we are currently you know flooding ourselves now as we speak <laughs> right exactly so i think that's where the disconnect is for me it's just like and clearly, because he said it in the interview, he wanted this to be a film that, like, deals with climate change, but it doesn't deal with climate change. Right. It sort of just uses it as a framework, and I don't, it's not very successful yeah. in it. Yeah, I feel like when we think about it now, as far as the discussion is concerned, if it had really been about it as a pressing issue, they would have mm-hmm. looked at the camera at the end and been like, hey, stop it. <laughs> this is yeah. real. Al, Al Gore, Al Gore would have came out. Yeah, they would have like looked at looked at you straight in the camera and be like, "Hey, <laughs> pay attention yeah. to this," but they yeah. didn't. It was just kind no. of a plot point. It was a, a plot device, the sci-fi element, and yeah, it really wasn't given the gravitas that I think that we think of in terms of a climate change discussion mm-hmm. taking place in 2020. Right. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, so I mean, it's kind of there, but. I, I like Shinkai's movies for being very melancholic because of that sci-fi angle. Like I mm-hmm. liked the whole, the the entire distance of communication and voices. And uh, when your name happened, like it, it like sharply shifted the tone of what that movie was. Like mm-hmm. it really used that science fiction, uh, you know, plot device to great effect. But right. here, yeah, it felt like they spent most of it just making it a, a fun adventure for these kids. And then it mm-hmm. became kind of sad for a second and didn't really have the same gravitas that uh, his previous movies had. explain about the other world in the clouds um so my brain was like oh this is a metaphor for like you know adaptability and how no matter you know how badly people screw up the earth will find a way to live in it anyway like mad max style or whatever um especially with the whole like little water fish coming out of the sky in the rain oh yeah totally i don't know how much of that 
Yeah, I don't know how much of that was supposed to be, like, fantastical or how much of that was supposed to be, like, this is what I'm trying to say with this. I, I didn't really think about it in the moment, uh, but uh-huh. now that we kind of talked about it a bit more, there is a scene earlier where Taki's grandmother or either Taki's grandmother or Keisuke's mom talks about how, well, eventually Tokyo is going to be buried under the water anyway, and, well, nature is just going to you know run its course after long after we're gone Mm -hmm. so it felt like yeah it sucks for humanity it sucks for our main characters and their their your their budding romance and they're not going to get happy but you know it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because the earth will last it's both hopeful hopeful and very cynical at the same time Mm -hmm. Um, but um i guess in terms of like the weird skyfish stuff like whenever i was watching that i just sort of contextualized it in my brain as it being like a uh like a fantastical, like a, a realist fantasy, fantastical realism sort of thing, kind of like a Haruki Murakami situation where, like, yeah. mm-hmm. the stories are very realistic, but sometimes they have, like, supernatural wild things that happen, you know, in the real world related to, mm-hmm. you know, messages or metaphors or some sort of, you know, spirituality or what have you. So, um, I don't know. I just saw, like, the skyfish as, like, another representation of, like, hey, there's some magic in this world, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because it was the same thing with, like, the, you know how the water would pool in the sky and then all of a sudden just, like, whoosh mm. down? Right. I didn't know if that was supposed to be, once again, that fantastical element or this is just how they were making it seem Mm -hmm. you know like the rain is coming down so hard it just feels like people are pouring buckets and buckets Mm -hmm. i got a lot of that especially in the beginning when the first time we see the big wave that's just floating there before it crashes down Mm -hmm. it it really seems like they're saying that every time that she prays she's not getting rid of the rain she's just displacing it to you know happen Mm -hmm. sometime else maybe like taking it herself maybe well, no, I mean, she's really just delaying the inevitable, I guess mm. is the better way to put it. I like, see. she yeah. doesn't stop the rain. She just puts it on pause mm-hmm. and it will happen worse later, which really is the, the climax of the movie. Like, when she finally runs out of, you know, good, good rain powers, uh, everything just kind of happens. The the rain crashes down, the the temperature drops to like 30 degrees, starts like, wasn't it like sleeting or snowing or something? Snowing. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah like, it. so she didn't actually stop any of it. She just delayed it. Which I guess is probably closer to what real life climate change is the most commentary we get there is that it's not really, you know, we can sort of forget about it. We can put it aside and not worry about it, but we're really only delaying the inevitable. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, with, that's, uh, that's, it, that's, kind of, that's kind of true whenever you're not ta- when you're, you're not having a conversation about man-made climate change, because, you know, as it's sort of known right now, it's like there there are ways that we've messed it up but there are also ways we can sort of fix it maybe not completely but sort of subvert the yeah. the 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 damage that we've created but regardless in terms of you know the macro sense you know m- millions mm-hmm. and billions of years like we can't necessarily affect that per se and maybe that's where shinkai is coming from but i think in 2020 yeah. that's not the greatest of perspectives to have on this specific issue oh for yeah. sure for sure uh, how about the gun? <laughs> how, about, well, how about that gun? <laughs> well, Tori, the reason that they added so many scenes with guns in it is specifically <laughs> to cater to the American theater going. Oh, absolutely. You're not wrong. <laughs> no, no. You what notice I mean, there's a McDonald's there. 
There yes. is, and I have a, a fantastic criticism of the McDonald's. Um, anyway, not actually not a criticism, a praise, honestly, but um, the gun I thought was going to be more prominent mm -hmm. like we were discussing exactly. just a few minutes ago like he finds it in a trash can it's obviously like tossed in there i think they made a comment by like that skeevy host club guy who was trying to get hina to um come join their like weird sex club and make money or whatever yeah. um even though didn't he mention that like he worked out some kind of deal or something with her at one point in that movie did they ever go into that no not okay, really. I didn't the, think the they. Club or what? Yeah, it's it's the guy. It's the one guy that the main character almost shoots, and he's like, mm -hmm. "No, like she and I had a deal or something." And well, I'm I, like, I think I think the, I mean the, the idea is that she, she and her brother don't have money because their parents are out of the picture, so yeah. she's she's begrudgingly going to work for that to make money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he he interprets that you know she's 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 not happy about this situation, and he interprets that as she's being forced to do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which i mean she's being forced economically to do that but she's, right. yeah. she's willingly doing it mm -hmm. in a more direct i think manner. it was was your question tori more like is that ever followed up upon yeah because like i mean obviously we find out that her and her brother like don't have money and they're gonna become mm -hmm. homeless and do become homeless mm -hmm. um so, but, like, by the time that comes around, I've already mostly forgotten that that guy even said that. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. I, it, it was never really followed up upon or addressed well, it, beyond it, it's that. It's never needed to because she has no. the, the sunny girl business. That That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She, she, I mean, she gets fired. This plot, the plot, I mean, the, the timeline is she gets fired from McDonald's. Yeah. Uh, she was going to go work at this part-time job, but she's able to get money off this this e-girl business, the e-sunny girl. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. The e-sunny girl. e-sunny oh, girl business. Sun e-girl. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, they have this business, this internet business they do, so right. she's never had to, to do that. And it's really only there because the detectives that are looking for him, that's that's their plot thread into the movie, is he's captured yeah. on footage that he's got a gun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I guess it's just because I'm nosy and I wanted to know what their deal was. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I thought the guns were going to uh, after watching the trailer and they show in the trailer the part where the gun falls out of the envelope. Uh -huh. I was thinking that KSK and the tabloid were going to be involved in something black market mm -hmm. yeah. illicit arms dealings, and I thought that yeah. Kodaka was going to get involved in that, but they just kind of dropped the ball there, or dropped the mm. the pistol there. I guess if you want to say it like uh -huh. that, they uh, mean, it only shows it, up. It, it almost literally ends up where the gun is just a prop. Yeah. Like it's a prop yeah. for, you know, sort of moving the story along, but it stands out so much because you don't see firearms used yeah. in, um, in story, in stories about yeah. contemporary Japan like this. Right. Thank you yeah. for stealing my whole point that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> ah, my sincerest apologies. Yeah. It's okay. So, um, is this gun the McGunfin or <laughs> is it Chekhov's yes. gun? Which one is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh brilliant stop the podcast that's that's the episode title but see <laughs> oh god the, the, the unabgunium yeah it can't be Chekhov's gun because they shot it three times during the movie god <laughs> um uh, I, I, anyway. did, I didn't like the the ending it, the fact that the oh, gun is either. just there and he kind of shoots it at the detective it felt yeah. 
it felt like a weird J drama thing where it's just maybe yes. maybe it was surprising to a Japanese audience that aren't used to guns. Exactly. But as red blooded Americans like we are, that's no big deal. So it felt <laughs> like know. it was uh. all, I, all I could think during that scene was, man, that little bastard better be glad he's Japanese because if that was America, <laughs> he'd be dead by now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um but God, when everybody started body blocking the police, I was just like <laughs> Once again, I'm glad this is Japan because all of these people would be dead by now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Castle Doctrine. God, especially when the little brother did it, when he like <sighs> runs up and he's like pulling out of that disguise, which we never talked about that scene. That scene was freaking hilarious. Mm-hmm. That was um, great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where. <laughs> Do he's dressed what? up as he's, he's dressed up as one of his girlfriends. Yes, where he they rescue him out of the child protection services. Essentially, that was so funny. And then he's and like, like running. Go ahead. And the two girls are like giving snarky comments to each other. Yeah, uh-huh. I can't believe you're here. Um, you can feel my heart beating faster. Of course, she doesn't care about whatever. It was so funny. Um, but then he's just like running up through that abandoned building, like ripping off that wig and dress, and he just body slams that police officer. And I'm like, "You go, kid. Like you're 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 ahead of your time. You you just go." Um, but yeah, like that gun. I'm I'm very much one of those people that. Unless you present me with a movie or a story that's full fantasy, I have a hard time kind of like turning my brain off. Like if you're going to give me a like fantastical reality something. So I was just like, well, this is an abandoned building. If he's in here, other people have been in here. They had to have found this gun. Like, why is this gun Mm -hmm. still laying here? Um, How's somebody not picked it up? Whatever. Like, um, but yeah, it just felt kind of lazy and like i know i know he was trying really hard to get back to hina but like you know what's his name also took care of him for an extended period of time and like i know you love this girl but are you really going to shoot this guy for standing in your way when you're smaller than him and you could just like duck and weave or something (laughs) it was very melodramatic it was it was Um, and i was just like i'm not a huge fan of that really um I think and it also it goes just, back to the pacing. It just felt like as the music builds up to this dramatic, you know, this part where they're slowly working his way up, you know, yeah. they, they have a fake out with a gun, another fake out with a gun. A case case shows up and blocks them. The little boy shows up and blocks them. He finds yeah. his way up through the rubble up to the top and it's like, come on, movie. Please get to just the go. point. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, the music building up, can I say I didn't notice it as much as you as it. I did not notice it as much in your name, probably because I was just so caught up in the moment in that movie. But like this one, every time it felt like somebody delivered a one liner of dialogue, it'd go quiet for two seconds and then just boom, rad wimps. And I was like, (laughs) I'm sleepy. You're scaring me too much for this to not be a horror movie. (laughs) I think what makes it stand out in this this movie is that there are so many more of those. Like, yes, there there are a few moments in your name that that they do that. And a lot of the times the songs are of they're they're a vastly different emotional intent. Yeah. But uh the Weathering with You tracks, there's a lot of like high songs and not yeah. very many low songs. I mean there I think there definitely were, but I can't remember them off the top of my head. But um yeah, they I do f- they do that emotional beat of the high songs like mm-hmm. more, much more. I think it was the credit song, but they used it within the movie itself, I think. Um, that I thought the lyrics, the lyrics were so sweet. And I was like, you know what? That thematically fits with the movie really well, because it was something like, um, 
you're my okay and we're gonna be okay and something like super like sappy mm-hmm. like that but um it was all like really well written so mm-hmm. that i wish they had integrated that like integrated that song into the movie more mm-hmm. um rather than just saving it for like at the very very end but um yeah. i don't know man i i agree like it was very like i feel like if you're going to use a guest musical artist to do your film score like less is more <laughs> <laughs> Unless this is Tarzan and you're Phil Collins. But I guess the other thing I was going to bring up was it was super distracting to me because this is another thing that I don't see unless it's like Code Geass X Pizza Hut, but there was a lot of branding in this movie. Yeah. And like, I tried to keep track of it, but then eventually I was just like, I don't care anymore. But there was McDonald's, um, SoftBank, which I mean, SoftBank sponsors yeah. like any and everything, so it's not a huge deal. Um, Pepsi was in there, Suntory, um, and a few other like drink companies. Um, I think there was even a Lawson or like one of the big like uh, Combini franchises in that movie mm-hmm. somewhere. But it just felt like it was like bam, bam, bam. And it was when he first got to Tokyo. So I can kind of yeah. like um, admire that um, it's juxtaposition the right word. Because it's like, you know, when you get to the big city, everything's branded and it's just like in your face and right. <laughs> whatever. Um, so it kind of made sense, but it still really, really caught me off guard to just see so much branding in such a short yeah, amount of time. <laughs> for sure. I, I think my favorite part of uh, a lot of Shinkai movies, and this one especially, was just the background itself mm-hmm. all throughout. I would watch a movie with no plot of just tokyo like skylines yeah you know, let's just explore the streets of tokyo and see the people go about their business just just give me a movie of that and i'll watch that yeah. by itself mm-hmm. uh, that if nothing else kept me engaged throughout mm-hmm. even near the end when the rain really comes down and they're trying to escape and uh the lightning hits the truck and all that stuff just seeing the people and seeing the streets was pretty cool mm-hmm. in and of itself do we want to transition into final thoughts and questions sure uh, I, I did want to bring up, because we talked, maybe we kind of discussed this, but we've been talking about the movie. Maybe let's, how do we feel that it, it the thoughts about the movie compared to your name specifically? Mm-hmm. Were there any, maybe, I think we've done enough of that, in my opinion. Yeah, that, that's, that's probably fair. I mean, I tried to go into this judging it by itself, but it mm-hmm. was very difficult to separate it from that. It, it right. Was, uh, you could not... Because your name is just, it's a great film. It really is. And mm-hmm. uh, we talked about, you know, Radwimps and the, the musical numbers there. I think they did really well in that first movie because the first half was just this rom-com. And there's a part in your name uh, in the first half 
where like the anime opening starts basically mm-hmm. after they realize that you know they're kind of going back and forth in the freaky friday scenario it booms this like anime opening song and like the visuals get really fast and it's really kind of fun and light and then very shortly thereafter you know shit hits the fan and it was just a great juxtaposition there that really sold me on that movie but here it was more straightforward uh, the music and the themes were just more of this uh, kind of like we've talked about so far, just this more happy story between the main characters and uh, with this maybe not climate change theme that didn't really ring as, as well as it could have or should have maybe. I don't know. Uh, it was it didn't feel as focused as your name. Mm-hmm. I um, So the theater that I saw mine at did not include the post-credits interview, so I sadly missed out on that because I do like watching those. It's my understanding that that was only available if you went to the first two days, which kind of sucks. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure it's on YouTube or it'll be on the Blu-ray or whatever, but um, Mm. I wonder almost if, like, he was in the train of thought. And, like, I don't want to undervalue him because like I know he puts a lot of care and work into his stuff and he's just like you know I want to make it better every time but do you think he was kind of just like well I made your name they'll come see it anyway (laughs) and kind of didn't go as hard or as good as he he could have I think uh I mean I I did like the interview more so than a lot of those post uh post movie interviews they seem a little too generic yeah. Uh, and this one, if I if I remember correctly, he does touch upon, uh, wasn't it? Didn't he talk about him being a dad now? I remember thinking about something different. Mm. He talks about, or maybe how his movies are going to be transitioning now that he's a parent, and thinking more uh-huh. about responsibility moving forward, or maybe maybe I was thinking more of his. Uh, but the the, the big That's thing definitely a that, host soda thing. The, the big thing from that interview that I noticed that he pretty much directly calls out you know, Miyazaki and how everyone, you know, thinks yes. about how a Miyazaki movie has got to be like this. And he's like, no, I want to do my own thing, yeah. which I thought was pretty bold. You know, in interviews, Japanese creators are very, uh, they don't give a whole lot of meat to the interviews like we're used to mm-hmm. in, yeah. in the West. So for him to directly call out Miyazaki and like, well, I'm going to do my own thing and it's going to be a new wave of, of anime films. I thought that was really interesting for him to say that outright. It's one thing for went- us... Uh, it's one thing for us to say that, but it's another for him as the creative to to do that. Mm-hmm. And he even took it one step forward and said something along the lines of, you know, once Studio Ghibli shut down major productions, you know, a lot of the animators didn't really know have anywhere to go. So we basically opened our doors to them. And I'm just like, man, he's just like twisting the knife in Miyazaki Yikes. right now. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he's not entirely wrong. You know, Ghibli no. is certainly not above reproach, but... Um, so, well, I do appreciate that as the resident Miyazaki disliker, I <laughs> kind of felt like that didn't really hold true. I feel like Weathering With You does try to capture uh, your name's, maybe not your name's spirit, but it does sort of try to ape off that popularity. I feel mm-hmm. like as a whole, it doesn't really match with just how well put together your name was. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot from the character design being very similar to the romantic angle that it felt to me a little forced to the Radwim soundtrack that it felt like I was watching a follow-up to your name and I couldn't get that out of my head. Mm-hmm. And I think that really does hurt the movie, its ability to stand on its own. 
So for, for to see that and then they hear him say, well, I'm going to do something different. Well, you really didn't do something different, Shinkai. Like, well, I think, just I think in the terms of, I think it, he's speaking in difference in terms of different than Ghibli. I mean, but he's also, I think he was also saying that Miyazaki's known for a certain type of feel of a movie. And it's time mm-hmm. for us as a you know, anime uh, consumers as creators to move on beyond that and say well we yeah. can we can make other movies that aren't Miyazaki movies uh-huh. but uh-huh. all he's done here is made yet another Shinkai movie <laughs> yes. and so it's like I kind of wish he would do something drastically different so like if you go back and watch Voices of a Distant Star that is drastically different than what we have in the, the past two movies that are set in definitely more modern uh, you know Tokyo setting that have a lot of modern trappings it's more of a traditional sci-fi story like I would so, like him to go do that like as much as we rag on children's who chase vo- lost voices from you know <laughs> Kingdom of Agartha or whatever the hell like that I have to give that um, credit for being so different even if it's very Miyazaki-esque, like it's very different than his more traditional stuff. Mm-hmm. So is that is that what you're asking for? You want his next movie to be Children Who Chase Lost Voices from Deep Below 2? <laughs> I want him to do something just drastically different. Like he did his he did his fantasy movie. He's done his sort of modern post-apocalyptic movies. Horror Give me something movie. different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Give me, give, sure. I mean, give, give me the movie like here where I thought that guns were going to be involved and they were going to be people shot and you know kind of other yeah. stuff. Like, give me, give me this gorgeous, these gorgeous backgrounds, these well laid out. Whether it's you know Tokyo or more uh, uh, like a rural setting, kind of like you know, some of the places in your name. Give me gorgeous backgrounds. They give me something new. All, all the all the songs are still by Radwimps, except they're played backwards and yeah, much lower. And, and he can still do key. his boy falls in love with a dead girl shtick. There you go. <laughs> Why not make it happen? <laughs> I mean, that would be something very different. I I, mm-hmm. I I like these movies, but if he if the next movie is just another follow up, uh, yeah, he's. I feel like just like Osetta, he'd be kind of wasting potential there. So, uh, Austin, what are your final thoughts on Weathering with You? Well, this movie as a whole, and you know, I sort of hate to do this, but it's it like we've sort of touched upon, it's almost impossible to evaluate this film outside of the shadow of your name. And that's just kind of the reality that it is, because it pulls so much from the DNA of what your name established. Mm-hmm. And of course what, you know, Shinkai's sort of entire filmography has established throughout his career because he kind of makes the same thing over and over and I'm not and again I'm not really saying that as a bad thing but it's just the reality of him as a creator now that being said I think weathering with you has some good parts I think it has some bad parts and some of the parts that are really that are good are really really good and some of the parts that are bad are I mean not they're not egregiously bad so I would yeah. say that the film is it's a solid good, you know, it's a B, maybe B minus. If I had to give it a numer a, a pfft, alphabetical score. Okay. And uh, Tori, what about yourself? What were your mm-hmm. final thoughts on weathering with you? Um, so I'm not a huge fan of Shinkai's works in general, and I'm sorry if that's like controversial, but um if you I've already seen most of his stuff. I'd say watch it anyway, um, just so you can kind of see how, like, he's grown upon the next iteration of his work. Um, but I'll just, you know, resound the same sentiments of when it's good, it's good, and when it's 
not it's not as bad as it could be (laughs) um but it's yeah it's a pretty movie and if you just want to go into it and appreciate the animation and art direction Mm -hmm. by all means but Mm -hmm. um i wouldn't say that you know you should break your neck by any means to go out of your way to watch it Mm yeah yeah i I would say definitely watch it like don't don't like not don't like purposefully not watch it like if it's available to watch like give it a go you'll you'll probably like something in it you might not like everything but there's something to like if you liked your name you'll love the part when taki and mitsuha show up (laughs) (laughs) so uh as far as my thought of thoughts i'm realizing now that we've been kind of negative about it um i again i think that you can't not compare it to your name which is very sad because honestly it is a good movie it really is it's when you look at something like you know fireworks do you see it from the bottom or the side or whatever the hell that the title was uh-huh. like when you when you look at anime as a whole this is a great movie it's a fantastic movie it, it absolutely is uh it's unfortunate that it's got to be the follow-up to one of the best movies of the decade uh anime or not but as a whole it, it is a good film it, it does it doesn't quite capture the same magic as your name does it isn't quite as tightly paced as that movie is but it is it is still a great film and it's visually it's mm-hmm. a fantastic film it is great just great to watch the side characters definitely sell it i wish we had a tv show of just the side characters uh yes. honestly i kind of wonder if the, the whole story would have been better as a television series uh the visuals Maybe. would have suffered from the smaller budget but we would have got more time to focus on the side characters and pop perhaps the plot and it would have felt more natural rather than a little bit uh long in the tooth with that final act but uh, I mean, yeah, overall, it is a good film for sure. If you get a chance to watch it, you absolutely should. If nothing else, to form your own opinion of it. Um, try not to compare it to the, the the previous work, but it is still a worthwhile watch for sure. Well said. Mm-hmm. Okay, so well, let's let's give our actual final thoughts. What are our favorite scenes? So again, we'll start with Austin here since you haven't written it down in the notes yet. What was mm-hmm. your one iconic favorite scene? Um, I think the scene that stands out the most in my mind, like of a specific moment from the movie that I will remember every time I think about it, is when uh, Hodaka and, um, gosh, I can't remember her name now, uh, Hina, excuse me, when Hodaka and Hina go up to the uh, Tori Gate on top of the abandoned building, Mm -hmm. and there's that sort of uh, circular shot that's going around them, um, where like it's like the 3d environment but they're 2d and you just see the camera sort of like circling around them and you see the skyline and the tory gate there Mm -hmm. i think that that singular moment that singular shot um will be what sticks with me uh throughout this movie that and you know i'm not gonna do two because that's not fair we shouldn't do two just one that's the one that's the one (laughs) all right toe what was your iconic scene Um... I love the McDonald's shot of the sausage <laughs> egg and cheese McMuffin on the one. No, I'm kidding. Um, I like the part where they are sitting on top of the city building, watching the fireworks after she's cleared up the rain for the festival. I think it was. Yeah. And she was just like, I feel like I have purpose because she's helping other people. Mm, um, yeah. And I think that's a really good sentiment and thoughts to have um but also Mm -hmm. i'm gonna cheat and do too because holy crap that was a huge giant pre-cure reference (laughs) (laughs) um in that little we're helping people montage and if there had not been other people in the theater i would have screamed 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I um, had to fight to not take my phone out and text you. Right I, I, the whole movie, oh, no. I was in the back of my mind. I was like, I have to remember this because I forget it. I won't forget myself. The first thing I did when I turned my phone on after it was immediately went on Discord and tagged you. <laughs> and it was so funny because from that, I thought you meant they were going to be like watching TV and there was like a pre-cure commercial on or there was nope. like a poster or something somewhere. And um, I was sharing that with Austin and he's like, yeah, like I didn't want to tell you because I just wanted you to see it. And um, I was like, oh, ruined it, Tobias. Um, I, I, thought, and... I thought I figured Tori would have went with you. <laughs> well, that's not no. an unreasonable Apparently, assumption. Um, no, I was movies. working that night. I had to close at work and I couldn't go. But um, no. And, and I was thinking, oh, yeah, they probably did that because when this movie came out, it was still the 15th anniversary of the very first mm, one. So that's why they were dressed yeah. as Kira Black and Kira White. Yeah. Um, but then it was so funny because they were at Comicette, obviously, and then they handed them like their cosplay photos and some other stuff as thanks for clearing up the raid. And I'm like, yeah, just like a cosplayer. It's all about clout. <laughs> um, but no, th- those would be my favorite. But really the the sentiment and the emotion of the one where she was just yeah. talking about how she felt like she had purpose finally. Yeah, and that was just another great skyline scene with the fireworks going off, and you get a mm-hmm. nice shot of Tokyo, and it just it looks gorgeous. That's what uh, fireworks can you view them from the, the side, side upside the down, or the diagonal <laughs> should have been. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, maybe one of you guys have been like have been to Japan can can confirm this, but I always keep hearing that McDonald's in Japan actually looks good, like the burgers actually look like they are in advertisements. And not mm-hmm. trash like they are in America. I had McDonald's breakfast in Japan, and I can okay. confirm that it is fractionally, well, not fractionally, large fractionally better than America. Is it, like, okay. outstanding? Okay. No. But it's better. So For some reason, anime makes McDonald's and fast food look great. Mm-hmm. And it's just, is that real? Could, that, could they possibly make McDonald's edible? I guess. <laughs> they can. <laughs> <laughs> but uh as far as mine uh like i, I mentioned that uh, there's so many just great background scenes that i loved as just someone who loves seeing tokyo as a whole i think my one scene though is right after uh, uh the old man ksk lets hodaka go and he's back at the bar and natsumi shows up and he is passed out drunk there's like a pack of cigarettes right there and he's kind of murmuring to himself like his dead wife's name that just really kind of resonated with me because I liked his character as a whole. You see him suffering, you know, you know that, and they mentioned a few times that he's still hung up on his dead wife. He still loves her. You know, it's not like their relationship fell apart or, you know, he left her or anything like she's, she just died. And there's really not much you can do about that. And to see him struggle with letting this boy go and making that tough decision and as someone who has, you know, a nicotine addiction, like, you know, there's something very sympathetic about seeing people smoke in movies. Mm. And I don't know where to put it, but like, I felt that like when mm. he when I, I felt that level of stress and I felt that that feeling that he felt drinking mm. and smoking and just that sense of trying to let go of that anxiety. That's just I felt mm. that I felt yeah. it, that, that deeply resonated with me uh, wow. specifically. And to see like you know her show up and sort of wake him up as he's coming back it was it was very personal to me so sort of to wrap up our show here we do have a couple of audience questions uh looks we we've got first of all from bill 
longtime podcast participant. You might have heard him talk about Lupin the Third, our One Piece. Bill, no, uh, never. Podcast. Uh, Bill asks, so uh, what are you hoping Shinkai does for his next movie? Do you think it will be drastically different or will he stick to his formula? I think we sort of said it already. We want mm-hmm. him to do a horror movie. Yes, yeah. horror movie. <laughs> yeah. But will um, he? No. No. I I think his next movie probably will be the same thing, unfortunately. Weathering um, with your name. <laughs> I mean, what other natural disasters does he have to choose from? <laughs> well, he could kick it old school, go back to his roots, and send his characters to space. Yeah. Has he done a volcanic explosion? Not in space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they could do that in space. And they have to yeah. travel a long distance and interstellar thing. And they... <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I I would like him to do something different, but he probably won't, unfortunately. But we will. I, I hope to be proven wrong. Uh, our good friend Basil asked several questions, most of which we have covered I uh, definitely didn't steal his questions for discussion questions earlier, but the ones that uh, we didn't cover, uh, he first asked, how do you feel about the Shinkai cinematic universe? Uh, talking specifically about the Taki and Mitsuha appearances. <laughs> I will reiterate, these two did not survive a meteor <laughs> impact and time traveling shenanigans to be drowned by two selfish high schoolers. <laughs> Yeah. You know, initially I, when Taki showed up, like I wasn't I wasn't hundred percent that was him because he looks just kind of like a generic uh anime dude. It's kinda. the uniform. Yeah, I like I like it's like this this the spikiness of his hair. Like I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. I thought. But then Mitsuha shows up eyes. and they, they make a point to show uh the little red ribbon in her hair. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, well at this point this more come on, like they mm-hmm. it's obvious what you do in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, if you'll remember from your name, the teacher from Garden of Words shows up for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um, and I all think, three are connected. Yeah, I think somebody pointed out too that if you look carefully in one of the scenes, you can see Mitsuha's friends going into a building or something like that. Mm, okay. Nice. So yeah, I didn't catch that. So. As far as what do I think of it, I think it's, you know, cute little fan service. Why not? Mm-hmm. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what other rock bands, this is Basil asking again, what other rock bands do you want Shinkai to work with in the future? Bon Jovi <laughs> and you should, you should Metallica. Ditch, you should ditch Rad Worms and give me a movie where you do AKB48. Oh, God. Um, I think Scandal would be cool because that's an all-girls rock group. And uh, mm-hmm. freaking uh, TK from, uh, I can never pronounce the band right, but uh, TK, the guy that does the like Tokyo Ghoul and all that stuff, the opening for that. Okay. Is, how, about, uh, how about My Chemical Romance? Because they're back now. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> back from the dead. <laughs> What about the, uh, wasn't it, didn't they just have the main singer from Paramore come back or something? Isn't that a She's thing? She's doing a solo project. It's a okay. side project, yeah. Okay, I just. We're just I, naming I, random bands yeah. now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I live vicariously through you guys and the musical taste. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll say one for you, Tobias. How about Anamanaguchi? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. I want to see an, I want to see uh, Shinkai do an idol show in space. Oh my Ooh. God. With volcanoes. Ooh. So he's gonna reboot reboot Macross. Yeah, give me give me, give me Macross with with space volcanoes and also time travel. Yeah. And Mitsu is there. 
Uh, Basil's last question. Um, would you like to see him adapt something adapt something, or stick with just original stories? We just said it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, well, I, I don't. I don't think he's ever done adaptive work. And no. I, I think it's always interesting for whether it's, you know, people that do adaptive work doing originals for the first time or people that do originals doing adaptive work for the first time. I really like to see whenever directors break out of their comfort zone in any context. So if he's in charge of adapting something, even if it's a pre-existing material, I mean, I'm going to be in line to see it. I'm going to mm-hmm. be in line to see whatever he makes. Um, so I'd, I'd totally be down for it. I think he'd be good at taking, like, a J-drama or a K-drama because those are usually, like, super cheesy and melodramatic anyway, and I can say that because I watch them all the time. Um, (laughs) and doing, like, an anime adaptation of something like that just because the beats of those already work for, like, the way he works anyway. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think that'd be cool. I mean, I don't know which one to say that he should do, but I think just anything in that vein would work pretty well. Yeah, I think to sort of key off the discussion we had earlier this week in the Discord. And uh, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, you should join our Discord channel. We'll have a link mm-hmm. in the uh, you know in the show notes. But you know the reason you should join our Discord is we had a discussion about uh, what studios should adapt an Inio Asano manga, mm. and it would be very <laughs> weird. But you know what? Why not? Let let let, let Shinkai do. Uh, you know, pun pun or uh, Solanen sure. or something. No, <laughs> no, I say no. Why not? You no. know, I'm, I'm reading something. I, well, I'm reading like uh, I was reading pun pun a while back. I noticed that the backgrounds are very the backgrounds are very realistic. So mm-hmm. that so would true. be something that I would be good at. Uh, maybe not yeah. doing a, a weird bird boy, but the backgrounds. I just at don't. Least. <laughs> I just don't think the slow burn like. I'm getting into your brain and slowly destroying you. Writing style of Inio would translate well into a shin. I don't. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Let, I need somebody who's a little more despair-inducing to be writing that for me. I think. Let yeah. Shinkai and Comics Wave, you know, do the aesthetic designs, and let whoever is the director of, um, I can't remember his name, but the director of the Flowers of Evil and the upcoming um, uh, Uzumaki anime. Oh let yeah. Him, let him direct uh, Pun Pun. I thought we agreed to just hand it to Urobuchi. I mean, mm, well, there would be too many puppets. <laughs> I feel that might work really well, though. Like if they if they did that, because it's so like weird and stylistic anyway. Like I could easily imagine that do going like a Thunderbolt fantasy route. <laughs> the Oyasumi Pun Pun Puppet Show. Yes, yes, I'd watch it. <laughs> I'd, I'd, tr- I'd be strangely down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, as far as Warshenkai, you know, honestly, at this point, I just want to see more pretty backgrounds. Mm-hmm, you can put whatever yeah. story you want, whether it's Bird Boy or more uh, rom-com stuff. Just give me Tokyo Skylines and I'll be Let okay. him direct some Pretty Cure. Yeah. All right. Why not? Perfect. He's already halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And lastly, we've got a question from Will, uh, also a participant on the podcast here, as well as one of the good, good mid-shelf gaming boys. Uh, I actually didn't read this before. I just copy-pasted it right when we started the show. Uh, after the success with your name, do you think there's a lot of pressure for this film to be received just as well? Uh, does all the promotion of this movie have hurt its ability? Uh, I think we covered that, but yes. It mm-hmm. is very hard to not compare that to your name. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I mentioned, I think it's a good film. It genuinely is good. Maybe not amazing as that, but unfortunately when you compare it to that, it's going to unfortunately take that, that, take, take that hit. Yeah, I think, for sure. I think there's this 
and this permeates everything uh, in the film world. There, there's there's always this expectation from both the market and fans for whatever is the next thing that comes out from a critically acclaimed or fan loved director for that next yeah. thing to be much better than the previous thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I, th- I think that's always going to be the case. So of course people were expecting, you know, weathering with you to be better than your name or, or whatever. And I don't yeah. really necessarily agree that we should always go into media with that expectation in mind, because that might not be what the artist wants to do in that moment. They might want to be trying something different. Um, but we also cannot sort of ignore the fact that that happens. Mm-hmm. Another well, let's let's take, let's make this comparison. Do you guys think the weathering with you is better than Garden of Words? Well, overall, overall, I think it's stronger a bit. Yeah. Um, Garden of Words is. Um, it's not very populist is what I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's a very, it's a very strange work and I could see how a lot of people would not really connect with it because it Mm -hmm. is very strange and deals with the average person doesn't have a foot fetish question mark. Well, unless you're Quentin Tarantino, but (laughs) yeah. um, But yeah, it's a, it's about a, it's about a non-conventional well, Anyway, it's it's not, it's not it's not something that is you know mass mass marketable like like weathering with you and no. and even and even from like a what I thought about it point of view I I definitely think that weathering with you is a little bit better but there there's a lot to like with the Garden of Words but I don't think it's like really it's just a very different amazing different movie. yeah it's yeah. it's a gorgeous movie because that that actually was the first thing of his that I watched and. Um, it's gorgeous, but the whole dynamic of, like, the kid, the young kid falling in love with his... She wasn't his teacher, right? Do Am I remembering that correctly? I think... No, she wasn't. She was a teacher. Just, yeah, was but a, she's... a big age gap. She's twice his age, literally. Yeah. He's only 15 mm-hmm. and she's almost 30. Right. And they end so... up falling in love with each other. But it's not, mm-hmm. like... It's not rewarded. Mm-hmm. It is. It's pointed out. I, if I remember correctly, is it being like awkward and like not correct? <laughs> right. They they frame it as it being you know very very strange. And, yeah. You know, not not that I'm saying films can't explore, you know, very odd relationship dynamics. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's just not. I I wouldn't show Garden of Words to a mass audience. No, yeah. um, it's very different than than these movies where the more romantic angle and the relationship is very uh, normal, very usual, yeah. very. It's yeah. not. It's not complicated. Um, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Straight, straightforward, straightforward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we would probably all agree that it's that Weathering with You is a better film than Children. Yes. Yeah. Most likely. Yeah. So I think if we compare it to his other film besides your name, the one that everyone the one is is on everyone's mind, it's probably it it it's not a fair, unfair comparison to those films. Mm-hmm. Uh it's just unfortunate that when you follow up an amazing act like that, that's you know, unfortunately yeah. people are gonna make that comparison and it does I think hurt it overall. Although it feels like both in terms of box office sales and critical acclaim, it's not done poorly for itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have generally enjoyed the movie. I've seen a lot of really great reviews, a lot of middling reviews for it. So I think that despite that, it's it's sort of uh, made it on its own. Yeah. Yep. 
All right. Well, I think that sort of wraps up our show for tonight. Uh, let's go ahead and give some quick shout outs here. I don't even know what websites we're on anymore. Uh, <laughs> we are certainly on iTunes and Google Play. Our what well, we're on Podbean. That's our main hosting site as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to give us a quick review on your podcasting service of choice, that would be amazing. We would very much appreciate that. Those reviews always help, of course. If you want to go to uh, Blue Apron and your coupon code. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Don't confuse them. Don't think yeah. we're serious. Unfortunately, you know, we don't have any sponsors yet, but that would be amazing. Maybe you could uh, quickly go on Twitter and shout out Blue Apron or MeUndies or whatever to give us a sponsorship. We would appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> you Don't tell me you wouldn't kill for a MeUndies sponsorship. I would uh, love it. I'd die for it. I'd cherish it. <laughs> but uh, as far as what we do have, uh, we do have a Discord now. We'll have a link to that in the show notes, uh, but we just have a community there. We uh, hopefully will have more uh, audience interaction, various things there. But if you subscribe to our Patreon, a uh, link to which we'll also have in the show notes. And uh, if you'd rather do more of a one-time donation than a regular reoccurring donation, we have a coffee, a Kofi, as well. If you want to throw us a couple bucks here to keep Austin caffeinated, uh, you can do so there. And uh, we also have Twitter, of course, uh, at ti underscore anime, where we usually try to post a, a tweet right before the show if you want to ask questions that way that's another way to interact with us and we post our our shows and various retweets on twitter as well mm-hmm. and i think that kind of covers our internet presence is that right are we on anything and, else now and of course our website thirdimpactanime.com. it's true mm-hmm. where you yeah. can find links to everything that we just discussed and it's very easy to remember thirdimpactanime.com. yep go there you read uh read bill's articles so he's yeah. not doing it for himself <laughs> <laughs> he writes good stuff yep <laughs> okay and i guess first individually here uh tori where can people find you on the internet yeah i'm on twitter in the usual place at worst waifu and austin where are you on the internet i'm on twitter as well at bebop shock and I've pretty much abstained from all internet presence, but I am still on Twitter, uh, at Reverend underscore Tobias. You can bug me there. All right, well, I want to thank you guys for listening here. Uh, go watch Weathering With You and look forward to Shinkai's next film in 2025 or whatever. What have you. <laughs>